He'll take a shot towards the end zone. Under the back of the touchdown. Trey Tucker. It's Bearcat Blitz. Welcome in, everyone. We are in game week. Finally in a game week for the Bearcats and their run in the Big 12. I'm your host, Russ Heltman, your old Bearcats reporter. Catch us on SI's Fan Nation. All you have to do is just type in allbearcats.com to your browser and you can find all of our work there. Also can catch this show and plenty of great interviews around the Bearcats football and basketball program as well on Talking Cats, the YouTube page. Just look up Talking Cats. You'll be able to find this show. All of the shows we record for Bearcat Blitz and interviews as well. Welcoming in now my co-host, Dominic Goodman. Dominic, thank you so much for uh, for joining me again this week, starting up week number two on Bearcat Blitz. we got a special guest coming your way on Thursday to go along with our Eastern Kentucky preview. But today, Dominic, we got to take a quick peek at the recently released on Monday unofficial 2-deep depth chart and also go game by game, 1 through 12, and see – how we ultimately view this Bearcats team for those that maybe didn't catch us on the uh, the quick snippet with those predictions last week in the, in the second episode of Bearcat Blitz. But, Dom, great to be with you, man. Starting up another weekend, the Eastern Kentucky Colonels on deck for Saturday. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, shoot, I'm actually going to go to the game. already got my buddies. We already got a tailgate spot ready to go. Um you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Just a good a good sneak peek to see how they look and especially go against somebody like you said last week, other than hitting each other to get to hit somebody else. So it's gonna be fun to watch and we can kind of see how, how they're gonna be for the rest of the season. No doubt. Yeah, going to the game Saturday, awesome. Maybe I'll have to have to stop by the tailgate as I roll in. That'd be, that'd be kind of good to meet in person. That's that's what we should do right there. Yeah, like come out so. to the alumni. Alumni tailgate. Yeah. Where you guys where you guys there. where you guys tailgating at? What part of uh, the area? Uh, Sigma Sigma area, um, right by the alumni building. It's like you won't you you won't even miss it. It's like a big old tent. We got big old tennises, Bearcat football alumni. Yeah, just come on down. All right, good to go right there. As we uh are getting the tailgate plans ready, it's it's feeling real. I'm getting very hyped up. It's it is a long off season in college football to say the least. It's a little bit easier nowadays with the transfer portal. Get some news there, but I am ready to write and talk. And just analyze games, get some game action going. Finally, as uh, Scott Satterfield said last week, they can stop hitting each other and start hitting somebody else. And speaking of hitting each other, that's what they had to do to figure out this too deep, unofficial depth chart, Dominic, where we really don't have a ton of surprises. The only big one to me that was a little bit of a surprise was uh, when we were talking about maybe last week with uh, Malik Van being an impact player. He was marked down as a second string right defensive end uh, on the right side or one of the two defensive ends. They didn't really give a side for either one of them. But Eric Phillips going to be taking over the starting spot this year, heading into the EKU game with Justin Watley and Malik Van behind him there on that defensive side of the ball. And then other than that, I would say there wasn't really many surprises that I could see at all. We got some confirmed punt returning and kick returning duties, both going to be manned by Braden Smith. We touched on that a little bit last week with his punt return skills and the conversation I had with him. But overall, Dominic, I don't think based on what we saw and just all the, the reporting that came about throughout Camp Higher Ground, it seems like in a year of transition for the UC Bearcats, there's not a lot of major question mark positions in terms of guys that just aren't 
kind of taking the reins and taking the position by force. Yes, uh, with a defense like that, with a, uh, guys that play a lot of snaps, guys that played before, um, you ain't going to have that much of a change, um, especially with Phillips. He did a good job last year. Another Conrad right. guy, by the way. Um, so the way it goes, you know, uh, when you got a guy that's young, um, doing well, you kind of lean more to the, to the young guy. Because um, you get it for more years, and uh, and Vaughn just was hurt coming back. So, but anyway, they're gonna rotate. You know, you need breathers. Um, game gonna be going fast, so um, it's gonna be interesting to watch, and um, and it's gonna be fun to watch. Dominic, a question for you. So, obviously, this is a week for uh, for a lot of college head coaches to begrudgingly give out their two deep depth charts. We know these guys trying to guard these secrets like they're locked up in Fort Knox, basically, which to me, I could see a little bit how the competitive advantage, especially if you have a major quarterback competition going on, can can be held by not releasing the depth charts and stuff like that. But like, for example, Nick Saban, Alabama head coach, said that he didn't want to cause any distractions on the team by releasing the two deep depth chart. In your experience in your career, were there ever any distractions caused by guys ultimately getting a cemented knowledge of this is where I stand on the depth chart. It feels like that wouldn't be that distracting for 18 plus year old guys to be able to deal with and be able to kind of carry on maturely uh, through the the rest of practice the following week. What do you think about that? Um, You know, it can be a distraction, you know, at the same time, you got a bunch of, you got, you got guys that Paul play high school, all guys that was good at their high school. And then they get to college. You got guys the same caliber. And to me, we talk about at that point in college, it's about your work ethic. Um, and then um, with that being said, it's kind of it's kind of discouraging. You know, you worked hard, did everything you had to do. And then next thing you know, you look on the depth chart thinking, you're number one, you're number two. So that's kind of a bitter taste in your mouth because, you know, you, you worked hard and you feel like you did well, but you just didn't edge it out. So it kind of can be a distraction. Uh, in that type of aspect of it with egos and stuff like that. But I don't think it's too big of a distraction because it's a long season. Uh, still got to compete and still got to play games and and you got to be healthy. So it ain't too much of a, a distraction, but just a little bit. Did you ever go into like a week one at UC not knowing where you stood on the depth chart, like not knowing if you were going to be a starting option that week? Um, fortunately, I didn't have to go through that. Um I, I I I know I worked my butt off at practice and in the weight okay. room and everything I did and pretty much like how our receiver coach did it. He had us like in in our meeting rooms. Yeah, first row, second row, third row, fourth row, and whatever okay. row you was in, that's pretty much where you was labeled at. So we knew we knew throughout the the, the camps and the season where we stood. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right, let's get into the game-by-game predictions right here as we kind of move away from the depth chart. You can check that out uh, in its full entirety, the entire depth chart heading into EKU on allbearcats.com. And, of course, you can check out me on Twitter, or X, whatever they're calling it now, at Elman 11 and check out Dominic at Goody underscore T-H-A underscore Wiz. Goody the Wiz on X. He's Dominic Goodman, former UC Bearcats wide receiver, and I'm your Bearcats reporter for all Bearcats, Russ Heltman, game by game. Here we go, Dominic, starting with game one. I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time on the FCF's ramp up here. The EKU Colonels have a very good uh, quarterback in Parker McKinney. They have a solid, solid returning group of skill weapons in their number one option at running back, wide receiver, and they have five starters on the offensive line returning. But they were 
in the hundreds last year in defensive rankings in terms of points allowed in the FCS. I think this is going to be a great opportunity for Emory Jones, this new look wide receiver room, which in a in his press conference just wrapped up right before we got on the show right now to record, said this was the most talented receiving room, receiver room he's ever played with. And he spent a couple seasons at Florida. So a really just glowing, glowing review of the way this coaching staff has built up this receiver room. I predicted 49-14, Dominic. They've won, I believe, three straight uh, season openers or FCS openers, games against FCS teams. They've won three straight games against FCS teams by 35-plus points. I think that trend continues here. Yeah, of course. Um, it's, it's going against – the Bearcat football, especially at Nippert. So, you know, they're going to be intense. It's going to be high, uh, a lot of excitement. So I think it, I think the same thing. I'll just take it. Shoot, I go 60 to nothing. That's how I feel. So um, 60. <laughs> that would be, that would be, hey, that'd be fine by me. That would be a quick game recap. Get the, get the, get the, speaking of the depth chart, get some guys further down the depth chart, a lot of run. That would be a good experience right there. And obviously all those guys that may be potential red shirts, they can get run in those first few games. I believe it's, what is it? You can't play in more than four games in a season to be able to recruit a redshirt. I'm pretty sure that's, that's what the rule still is. Um, so moving on to Pittsburgh. At Pittsburgh on September 9th, I think they fall to one and one here, Dominic. I predicted this as a win for Pat Narduzzi's crew. They're returning a nice, nice defense with a, a really good corner duo that I think is going to give the Bearcats some trouble. The offense sputters a little bit. I have Pitt winning this one 24-21 to push the Bearcats to one and one on the season. Mm, I got I got Bearcats winning. Um, All right. I got them. I got to be in 24-21. Bearcats, you know. Uh, even though I know Pratt Narduzzi was my um, – he was our defensive coordinator, was out at UC. Uh, great yeah. coach, great guy, um, love him to death. And I know he's going to have his guys ready to play, experienced team. But, um, you know, I've, I got to go with my Bearcats no matter what. All right. And then I'm guessing you're rolling Bearcats here in the battle for the victory bell. Going back to, I believe it's at Nippert Stadium this year after – I can't stand them. Putting the, <laughs> I can't stand any of these college events – Dominic, I don't even want to get on my soapbox here. I'll try to stay off of it. But basketball, football, anything, stop with the neutral sites. It kills me. It's so awful. I hate it. I'm so glad the college football playoff expansion is going to be encompassing some of those home sites for those playoff games. Those environments going to be awful, awesome. But stop with the neutral sites, especially for rivalry games. Can't stand it. But it's back at Nippert this year. I'm almost positive. And I think the Bearcats get stifled a little bit offensively. But the... Brett Gabbert led Miami offense, just doesn't have any answers for maybe arguably the best unit it will go up against this year, maybe outside of we're right there with Miami's defense of, of Florida that Miami of Ohio is facing off against uh, to open their season. It's going to be one of the best defenses Miami's faced, and I think they get held below two touchdowns. 24-13, Bearcats get the win in another, another double-digit victory in the battle for the victory bell. Yeah, I agree with that um, as well. Um, I don't think – I don't think Miami is not it's not a game anymore. I just think it's always going to be UC winning that game, always keeping the bell. Um, prediction of the score, I'm thinking I'm going to go 28-28-7. 28-7. All right. Non-conference down. Still have the Big 12 slate to get to right here. We'll pick things back up after this break with the Big 12 opener at Nippert Stadium, welcoming in the Oklahoma Sooners. Just the third time, I believe, the Bearcats have ever faced Oklahoma. 
So it's going to be very, very interesting to see how that all goes down. We'll be back after a quick message on Bearcat Blitz. Bearcat Blitz returns on the Believe Network right here. You can catch us on YouTube, where you can find us at Talking Cats with Russ Heltman. Find us on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, populating all over the podcast feeds. As we pick things back up on our game-by-game season predictions episode, I'm your host, Russ Heltman, joined by former UC wide receiver Dominic Goodman, now a offensive coordinator for Talawanda High School in the Tri-State area. So, Dominic, we have the Bearcats on your end, 3-0 and to start the 2023 season. I have them starting 2-1 and going into, in my eyes, a tight, fun, fireworks-filled affair against the Oklahoma Sooners that they ultimately fall in 31-30. Dylan Gabriel gets the job done on a final drive in the final minutes to send the Bearcats faithful home a little sad, but encouraged that in the first battle against one of the projected top teams in the Big 12 this year, they hold their own, but an ultimate loss nonetheless. What do you think? Um, I think it's going to be a tough one. Um, and I hate to say it, I, I think they're going to think they're going to take the L um, not by about three, about three within a field goal or a touchdown. It's going to be a hard fought game. Oklahoma's known. Um, for, for them type of games, especially known for putting up points. So uh, I think it'll be a, a fun game to watch, and I think it'll be a defensive game as well. Yeah, first time they will have played the Oklahoma Sooners since 2010. They have a – they played them two times, 0-2 against them, with a minus 28-point differential in those games. Obviously, Bearcats fans hoping for, uh, for a closer tightening of these matchups in just about a month's time. We're getting very close to the start of the Big 12 season, but got to kick off the non-conference slate first as we continue Bearcat Blitz right here with a look at a trip to Provo, Friday night action at BYU. Two of the new entries into the Big 12 facing off for a primetime affair that I think is going to be a very, very good one, Dominic, that I have the Bearcats taking 27-24 I think that BYU defense will be just bad enough still compared to a 97th overall ranking last year in terms of 29.5 points per game allowed. One of the bottom 35 units in the entire country, bottom 36 units. Head coach Kalani Sataki doesn't quite get enough from transfer quarterback Keaton Slovis, who coincidentally comes from Pitt to BYU. You see facing both those teams this year. I, I just don't think Slovis is going to be enough to maintain a strong, strong offense that Jaron Hall led last year and the Bearcats get it done 27-24. Yeah, I agree with you on that as well. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Bearcats 35-21. to 21. All right, Dominic rolling Bearcats 35-21. So you had them at 3-1 and one after the first, or 4-1 and one after the first five games of the season. And I have them at what four and two something like that something like mm-hmm. three and two as we get into another matchup here the bearcats taking on iowa state at home 
in what I think Dominic may be the ugliest game of the Big 12 slate for the Bearcats. Iowa State was a really, really good defense last year. I think they maintain that going into 2023. Miles Purchase and TJ Tampa kind of headlining that defense with the exit of Will McDonald, edge rusher to the NFL. Those guys should be able to hold things down, continue, continue to hold things down on the outside in terms of pass coverage. And when you look at the fact that their quarterback, Iowa State's quarterback, Hunter Deckers, was or is still caught up in a gambling probe right now. Sports betting, dude is uh, dude's in some hot water right now, Dominic. In terms of not only just the school and probably facing a suspension there, he has not been with the team since spring ball, but also facing some issues with the with the federales with the with the federal government. So, all that being said, looking like freshman JJ Cole is probably going to be the starter in this game. Or maybe Tanner Hughes, who was a, a transfer into the program. Either way, I don't think the offense that was downright horrific last year gets that much better with the, the kind of flux at the quarterback position. Give me the Bearcats in a tight kind of knockdown, dragout defensive battle, twenty to sixteen. Yeah, um, it's a quarterback. It's a quarterback um, game. So if, you, if your quarterbacks, you don't got a good quarterback, you can't really do too much. And um, Depending on how it goes for them during the season, um, the thing I'm thinking that it's not going to be too good. They still going to have a quarterback um, controversy, trying to figure out who's going to be their quarterback. I'm, I'm leaning to more of the UC. I'm taking them. Mm, I'm gonna go 28, 28, 14. 28-14? All right, I like it. I like it. I like it. So we continue the Bearcat Blitz podcast right here. I'm your host, Russ Heltman, joined by Dominic Goodman, former UC wide receiver. And we have the Baylor Bears coming to town for game number seven, a game that I think Baylor will be on a bounce back trajectory by this point in the season. We're a little down last year after, I believe, going 11-1 and one in 2021 and barely missing out on a, on a college football playoff opportunity. Quarterback Blake Shapin. Should be better this year with another year under his belt. I think Dave Aranda continues to show why he's one of the better coaches in the Big 12. And I, I just think the defense will be just good enough that they can slow down the Bearcats and get the job done 30-21. to 21. As long as Blake Shapin doesn't turn the ball over uh, too many times in this game, I think Baylor's got, got, the, got the overall talent advantage to beat the Bearcats at home 30-21 to 21 and push UC to 4-3 and three in, uh, in my – Season prediction so far. What do you got, Dominic? No, um, well, you know, similar similar situation. I'm kind of up in airs with it because you know Bell is a good team, um, known mm -hmm. known for their offense, known for scoring the ball. Um, they always have produced good talent there at Baylor, so um, it's going to be one of them games where it's just going to be. I feel like it's going to be a dog dog fight, a slug fest at the at the same time where they're going to be a lot of points being scored. Um, because it's midway in that season, I feel like everybody's kind of figuring out what they can do, what they can run, and pretty much you got all the game film of of, of, the, of the teams and knowing their tendencies. So I'm thinking I'm going to go ahead and step it up 45-35. Uh, I got Baylor winning that one. Oh, a little bit of a shootout. All right. All right. At Oklahoma State, going to, was it, is it T-Boone? T-Boone Pickens Stadium, one of the best stadium names just in all of college football. Amazing stuff right there. At the Cowboys, and I think the Cowboys get the job done at home behind a nice day from quarterback Alan Bowman combined with a strong showing from the Oklahoma State defensive line against the Bearcats rushing attack, which we expect will be uh, 
heavy laden with rushes throughout the season. They'll be a little bit more rush heavy compared to most of the modern offenses in today's college football. And OSU has kind of gone with their running defense, especially last year where they went 6-0 and when allowing five yards per carry or less and 1-6 and when they allowed five yards a carry or more. I don't think they allow five yards per carry in this game. They get the job done in a little bit of a shootout here, 34-31 Oklahoma State. Um, I got you know I gotta go with UC on this one. Uh, All right, you know I gotta go with them. Uh, I just think Oklahoma State—they're a good team, but I think they uh, when they get towards the end of the season, that's when they kind of kind of start messing up, start taking some lumps, and uh, I feel that it happened UC, last year for sure. So, so UC gets stronger throughout the years, um, throughout the season. I mean, and I think UC will pull it off. Uh, score wise, I'm gonna go. 42-35, UC. Big day for the offense. Big day for the offense. Traveling to Houston, or excuse me, I skipped a game. Welcoming the UCF Knights into Nippert Stadium for the ninth game of the season. I think this is going to be a three-point Bearcats win, 30-27. to They take the all-time series lead against UCF, 9-8 to with this victory. And overall, I think the strong part of this defense for UCF is going to be on the front with a guy like Tremont Morris-Brash returning to the team. Six sacks last year, 13 tackle for loss, uh, led the team in both categories there. And I think overall he's going to be solid, but the overall defense is not going to be able to do enough against this Bearcats rushing attack that bounces back after a bad week against Oklahoma State and goes and puts a nice number up on UCF. Um and, and overall gets the offense back humming once again. And then defensively, we all know what's up with – it's the same kind of equation for UCF. If that John Reese Plumley and that kind of triple-headed rushing attack from UCF can get going on the ground, they're very, very difficult to beat. 5-0 and last year when averaging 5.5 yards per carry or more, and they were 7-0 and when rushing for more than 210 yards. I think they get stifled a little bit on the ground, get held below 170, 160 total rushing yards. That doesn't open things up through the air. For the passing attack, they get the L hung on them by the Bearcats at home, 30 to 27. Yeah, um, that's a big thing, just not getting that rushing game going for UC. If UC can stop that running game, it's a football period. If you can stop the running game, you pretty much control the, control the game because the game is one in the trenches. And um, UC can – Defense can uh, stop that, sustain that, and offense stay clicking. Um, I think I got I got you I got UC winning. Uh, I'll go with I say I got them winning by six. Uh, I'm going with 28-21. Well, that's, right. I know my math a little bit, you know. <laughs> seven win by seven. seven. We'll cut you seven points. Six seven, same kind of thing. Touchdown you know. score for sure. <laughs> final three games here and we've got to get through them a little quickly so i'll just package all these up into one prediction at houston 30 to 28 cougars i think the trip to houston is going to be a little bit too much late in the season for the bearcats transfer quarterback donovan smith gets going by that point in the year after transferring from texas tech and they get the job done uh, for Dana Holgerson at the helm at West Virginia. Another tough road trip. This was one of the hardest games for me to predict. I got the Bearcats losing 23-21. to 21. Neil Brown's offense gets cooking on the ground like so many of these matchups have come down to on this schedule slate. They were 5-0 and when running for 200 yards or more last year. Those were also the only five games they 
did win were the games where they ran for over 200 yards. It's a simple equation for a team with a returning running back in C.J. Donaldson, who should be very, very good. I think West Virginia gets the job done there, 23-21. And the Bearcats get back to 500 and close things out at 6-6 and with a 38-27 victory over Kansas at home. The defense was downright putrid last year from the Jayhawks. I don't see how it gets uh, into the top 100, let alone – um, a much higher than 124th in points allowed, which it was ranked last year. They have to replace all four defensive line starters. I just I don't see Jaden Daniels, the premier quarterback for the Jayhawks, being enough to lift Kansas over the Bearcats to close the season. Six and six, my final record prediction. What do you got for this final three, Dominic, as we close it out? I got a close game against Houston. I got UC winning. Um, I got them 20, 35-28 uh, UC. Um, and then uh, what was the next game after that one? Uh, we got at West Houston, Virginia. at West Virginia, and home against Kansas. Uh, West Virginia at West Virginia is going to be tough. Um, uh, that's a that's a that's a tough environment to play in. Um, I'm gonna go with. Whew, I'm gonna go with West Virginia on this one. Uh, West Virginia winning winning by three. Um, close game. I feel it's going to be a close game. Winning by three. Uh, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Um, it's going to come down to a field goal, in my opinion. Um, and then um, the Kansas City, Kansas game. I mean, I mean, I mean, no, no, no hate to Kansas. I mean, it's a, like Baker Mayfield said, it's a basketball school. So uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they're going to um, pull it off. I got UC winning, winning at um, thirty-five to fourteen. There you go. So my final record prediction, six and six. Dominic, you're going with seven and five, correct? Right. Seven and five. Bowling. Just looking for bulls this season. That is the bar to clear for the Bearcats. Keep that bull streak rolling. Nobody's asking them to shock the world at 90 to one or whatever they are to win the Big 12 this year going into the season and pull that off. Just keep that bull streak rolling. Keep building this program for power five level talent. Keep it cooking going forward in the Big 12. We'll be with you through it all this season on Bearcat Blitz. He's Dominic Goodman. I'm Russ Heltman signing off of this episode. Thursday, we got a very special guest. Excited for you all to hear that episode, and we'll preview EKU coming to Nippert Stadium. This has been Bearcat Blitz on the Believe Network. Six Ritter to the end zone, looking for Pierce. Did he hang on? Yes. Touchdown. Again, busts free. Jerome Ford down the sideline. Foot race. Pass call. Touchdown. 79 yards. Big run the Peach Bowl. This is a big one too. And it's going to go all the way to the house on the first play.